Every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad. My name is Tom, and I'm with my wingman, Steve. Hey, how you doing? We are in Harry Blumeyer's The Christian Mind, and we are working our way through this book about Christian presuppositions. The Christian Mind, How Should a Christian Think? And that's a great question. We've gone through the part number one, where we've looked at the lack of a Christian mind, and now we're going through part number two, where we're looking uh, at the different aspects of a Christian mind. We just got done uh, a, uh, a great chapter, It's Acceptance of Authority, and that was a really great chapter. Uh, I really loved how they talked about fathers and about how fathers represent uh, authority, discipline, and love. And that without fathers, we don't have a conception of an authority of a God who also disciplines, demands, and loves. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, you can take a look at that. And that was our previous podcast. Uh, but today, we're going to be looking at the Christian mind and its concern for the person. Yep. Yeah. So here, uh, so the concern for the person. So Blumeyer says that the Christian's conception of the human person is a high one. His sense of the sacred of the human personality being deeply grounded in revealed theological truth. Yeah, you want to explain that? Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's talking about a human being as um, a conception of, uh, of the sacred, okay? So, effectively, what he's doing here in this chapter is he's going to compare the technological world and he's going to compare the mechanical world. And I thought this was really wonderful because what he does is he effectively calls out the mechanical world not for the way that it operates in terms of of function, but in terms of ideas. Yeah. And, and the way that it creates a function, not only out of itself, but also of the human that uses it. It's noth- yeah, it's it's the principle of nothing in and of itself is unclean. You know? Yeah. But, mm, yes. but you, can, you can use anything in, in a certain way. Right. That you can either use it to the glory of God. Yep. Or you can... Use it to defame God or whatever, or ignore God, whatever you want to do. Yeah, he uses the example of cars in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of what his example is. And it's a good example. It's a little dated, uh, but it is a, actually a great example. And what I loved is I loved how he he points out the fact he points out the fact that you can be in a city. He's in Detroit, mm-hmm. and there's so many people all around him. Yeah. He's got more people around him than he could possibly hope for. I mean, more community, more people, more families, more more everything. Yeah. And yet, they're all in cars. So, practically, he has nothing, right? Because he can't see anybody. He can't talk to anybody. Yeah. He, he can't, he's lost, and he can't find anybody to give him directions because everyone's in a car. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, he's in a city that's bigger than any city in England. And yet he's alone. 
Yep. And you don't have to go to Detroit to be alone. You can be alone wherever you are, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and then he talks about how, um, how, for example, and I thought this was my favorite part in terms of uh, his um, talking about the cars, was he talked about how we actually have to have policemen who are in their own cars to police the people who are in the other cars. <laughs> the irony. So, yeah, the irony, right? <laughs> so we actually have to have more cars to police the cars that we already have. More cars to make it better because of the cars. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, which actually makes the mechanical the mechanical nature of having cars, you know, in a crowded urban environment, much more of a problem. Yeah. Even though the function is one to solve problems. Right. It creates problems. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, when we get we get to the point of negative returns... With with everything, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he, he always does start every chapter though, like by trying to simplify it for you a little bit before he gets into like some deep stuff. Yeah, like when he says, "No arguments needed to prove that modern men frequently live in practical servitude to machinery." He's like, right, basically saying like, "All right, do we even need to have a discussion about this?" Like, right, we are slaves to literally every single man-made thing. Like, you know, this is uh, he was ahead of his time here because like cell phones. Well, yeah, this is written in 1961. Right. I mean, what kind of technology was he worried about? Vacuum cleaners? <laughs> I mean, right, what you talking about? The dishwasher? I don't know. Yeah, right? Wow. I mean, that's what it is. Well, think about where we are. How a dishwasher can corrupt your mind? I'm not real sure. Right. Well, I don't know, man. Right. A cell phone, I don't really have to make an argument for that. Yeah. It's so, it's a, that's the thing about this book. It's so relevant. You'd have If you just read through it, you'd think it was written within the last couple of years. You know, certainly yeah, within the really last would. decade. You, you would not guess the 60s. No, no, not at all, not at all. But I think this is the power of Christian presupposition in itself, because because Bill Myers had such a solid assumption about the way that the world worked, he was able to see things at a level that was relevant over the course of a lifetime. Okay, because if you're born in 1960, then right now you're 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 in your mid to late 60s. So say that you were born in 1955 then you would be in your 70s right now. And mm. so uh, if you were born in 1955, then y- that's a whole lifetime to the current day. So Bill Myers is able to use his presuppositions to forecast out what someone is going to experience in their lifetime, which is why it's so it's so cathartic to read to read this book because he's warning real people about real things that are going to happen in their lifetime. And you and I... And it didn't work, okay. <laughs> and if it did work, it didn't work well enough, okay. It didn't, <laughs> no. it, it, it didn't reach the target, which no. means that other people, you know, like your, like you, like yourself and myself, mm-hmm. have to come along and now try to extend it into the next lifetime, because you don't have to go back and relearn every. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to go to Harvard and get a PhD in order to be able to get a a, a firm grounding in your world extrapolate out your life of those and the ones that you love and be able to defend honor and dignity and virtue to everyone around you. you know. And Bill Myers does a fantastic job here of really setting out the areas where you can fortify that within your own mind, within your own approach. Well, the only thing that makes that simple is objective truth. Yeah, exactly. The Bible, which that's is that's right. what he does. That's right, biblical that's, truth. I mean, it's kind of... The Bible. It's kind of like how he... You know, titled the book "The Christian Mind." That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. The Christian Mind. It's it, it's it's a fitting title. <laughs> it, it certainly is. It certainly is. That's what he frames everything in. Is like if if we were all to think perfectly, as the Bible teaches us, this is how we would think of it. 
I, that's where he that's the presupposition he wrote it from. Well, a lot of it is, you know, it, it it's and he saw this, he talked about it in the book. A lot of it is how he so much of authority and authenticity is now based in popularity, right? So all like all right, <laughs> like, and, and this is something that uh, I mean, it's something that Neil Postman talked about um, in the 1980s uh, with his book um, about information about um, uh, amusing ourselves to death. Uh, Postman talked about how you know the most popular television show would set the morals would would actually be more than just entertainment. It would actually be like a moral statement because people would say, "Oh, well, if um." Yeah, if 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 Roseanne is the most popular show, and the things that her and her family do are going to become the things that other people want to do, they're yep. going to become part of an ex- of of an expressed culture. It's going to influence culture, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it is. Yep. And and so you know, but whereas the actual intention becomes entertainment, and so you know, Myers looks at that and he sees this. He sees that hey, you know, uh, one thing I love about the book is when he talks about. Uh, he talks about the the convergence of opinion, right? And how, uh, and and this is, it's such a wonderful discussion because Schlossberg talks about this in terms of the idolatry of time, and how um, how non Christians actually hold time up as an as an idol because what they what they do is is they put they deny the existence of any sort of of objective outside of time. And so, therefore, they're unable to relate time to anything except time itself, which is kind of like this, it, it, it acts as kind of like this never-ending process. And we see that in our current world. Uh, we, we do this, uh, uh, like, uh, for example, um, you know, manifesting. We see this in, in manifesting or uh, in the current, um, in our modern world, uh, uh, the abundance of choice. Right. People have lost the ability. They don't understand that when you make a choice, even a minor choice, it precludes other choices. Right. Every time you make a choice, you are taking you're taking away some other choice that you may have had. Mm -hmm. So uh, and a lot of people don't understand this. Like a lot of times people make decisions, whether it's about a job or whether it's about a, 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 a relationship. Right, a sexual encounter. So you're basically saying that people don't understand that their actions have consequences. Yeah, I mean, it, people will. So, for example, right, like uh, if you um, say, for example, that you are um, that uh, you're thinking about a relationship, and you're uh, uh, you're you're, and you figure, well, you know, uh, I'm going to meet a lot of different guys. If, if you're uh, so, say for example, if you're uh, if you're a guy and you're going to meet a bunch of different girls, and you're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to meet a bunch of different girls in my life, and then uh, I'm going to be able to do this with this one, and this with that 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 one, and then at the end of the day, I'll be able to take all that and combine it all up into the best decision I could possibly make, and then I'll be able to make that, and that will also be one decision that will be a will have been determined by a great multitude of choice, right? And that's actually not the way that life works, right? Like every time you make a decision, it changes not only you, but it changes other people. Yeah. So every other possible decision that you can make is either affected, it's either promoted, it's either uh, precluded, or it's affected in some way. And so when you get to the end of the process, you're not actually choosing from this great multitude of choice and information. Your decision has already been made for you because of the previous decisions that you've made. So without anything objective outside of the time stream, then people just kind of 
go through life like with this kind of like this wish of like I'm going to manifest riches into my life, you know, like well, I'm going to be a millionaire, you know, or I'm going to have the perfect marriage, you know, because they're not actually basing it. And then and then if, if something goes wrong, then they either blame or they subvert themselves into this multi into this never ending multitude of choice because they don't they don't time is never limited and it's never guided by anything outside of itself. Only the things that are within itself. Hmm. That is some deep theoretical thinking. It really is. All I could think of when you were describing this was like, you ever read one of those choose-your-own-destination books? <laughs> you yeah, know? I love those books when I was a kid. I like those because they were. It was, it was like reading a short book every time you made a choice. Yeah, that's right. Every time you made a choice. <laughs> every right. six pages, you got a different book. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No, no kidding. <laughs> no, no doubt, man. No, but it's really true, though. And and so, you know, what ends up happening is is, you know, People drive themselves crazy this way, right? Because they're they're not thinking, you know. And and to Bill Myers, it's like everything is a Christian mind, right? Remember that part in the book where he was talking about the the school teacher, and then he was uh, he was talking to the school teacher, and the school teacher uh, was asking him about this uh, curriculum or what have you, and then. The curriculum was actually based upon something that Rousseau had written. Oh, was this one of his, like, a college professor or something? Something like that. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And remember? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. yeah, he was talking about, uh, he was talking about, uh, to the teacher about this curriculum. Mm-hmm. and But the curriculum had, like, it was based on some writing that Rousseau had done. Yes. And yes. so, basically, Blue Myers is like, yeah, like, this is Rousseau, so it's dead on arrival. Like, there's right. no conversation to be had. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to approve of this under any circumstance, right? Right. Well, the teacher, who was also a Christian, the teacher is like just trying to get through the day, you know. They're like they're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to get through the we'll day. Check the box. Yeah, thing. they just want to check off the box, you know. Yep. Like, hey, hey, is this all right? What do you need me to do? You know. Right. They're just trying to do their job, right? And so Bill Myers is like, you know, he has a Christian mind, so he looks at it and he's like, oh, this is dead on arrival. Yeah, like, he steps back and actually takes a second and goes. What would God do? Right, you know, and then, <laughs> but then he's able to work right. it through because he, yeah. he's trained his mind that way, and um, right, right. Whereas the teacher was just trying to, they're just trying to check off a box, right? And so, yeah. you know, but now no one can really do this. And so now you have, you know, you have, you know, people are not, you know, it's it's interesting. It's, um, you know, you've seen this, uh, you know, you have on TV now, you know, you have like we have the, um, you know, you've, have you seen like on the, 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 the commercials, you know, Jesus gets me. What? They have a, uh, there's. Yeah, thank God I don't have cable. Right, well, they, I'm they're too not, poor to afford it. Yeah, they they have some. Uh, <laughs> I would yeah. be irresponsible with it or something. Right, man, I tell you, they have that. They have, they have these. Com- they have these commercials now where they 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 um they're trying to reintroduce Jesus to the uh to the uh, to the culture. How's and, that working out? Well, I think that <laughs> from what I can tell from what I see, not yeah, well. Yeah, no, and I I I think that their their intentions are good. That they're they're trying to reach the right people at the right time. But okay. you know, the thing is, is that. The message is, it's a very soft message. You know, the soft message is, hey, you know, Jesus gets, he gets your problems. He gets the refugees' problems. He gets, if you're, you know, if you're LGBTQ, he gets those problems too. Like, he relates to everybody's problems. Yeah, I may have heard of this. Right. So, like, this is the whole, like. The Reformed Church. I, I, yeah, I get whatever that means. But, you right. know, and that, you know, so <laughs> they, I, so, you know, that he gets, so, that, but that, the whole message. But whereas the actual, you know, 
if you're going to follow Jesus, then, I mean, at some point, you're going to actually going to get to the part where God is sovereign and God gets to say how the universe <laughs> at is. At some point, you're going to get And there. that there is a strict morality in terms of, you know, like what God has, what God approves of and what God does not approve of. And, and that there's a certain way of thinking and that you can look at the world in a very clear and a very, you know, like if your starting point is Jesus gets me and I just love him so much, you know, then it's going to be difficult for you to have to conform your mind to a strict sense of 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 of, of godly virtues you and think? a way of looking at the world. <laughs> you think? So it's it's <laughs> worth it for it was worth it for us to do this, you know. And uh, Bill Myers he says excessive use of technology reduces man's life to a subhuman level, replacing choice, decision, and purposeful activity by a drugged acceptance, a mindless inertia. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's a mindless inertia. Like, we just keep going. And and that's where, that's where the, um, uh, like with um, Postman and uh, with the information, I've talked about this before. Mm. You know, we have too much information. You know, like, we have all this information. More information passes through our eyesight t- in a day than at any other point in human history. And yet, you know, the, the, the crime rate in New York still goes up. You right. know, so, what you know, do, we, we have this, this mindless inertia. We have all this information. Right. And like it's all this mindless inertia. Like, what are we going to do with it all? Right. It's overwhelming to our senses. But that that's the point. It's exactly to me. That's on a very simple level. Mm. Satan loves it. Yeah. He couldn't be happier. Right. We are focused on every single thing but God. Yeah. Make our work week longer. Make the everything that you could possibly want just dangled right in front of your face, just out of reach. So you just keep. Right. Running like a hamster on a wheel to reach something that you'll probably never get anyway. Yeah, yeah. But no. you, you ain't looking the other way to pay attention to God. Yeah, no, it's true. And that's just, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, but you can you can use anything uh, in any way that you want to. Um, you know, for two hours today, I literally was staring at my phone. But I was arguing for God. I'm right. not sitting here trying to like, oh, look what I was doing today. I'm just saying, like, that's an example of like, there's times I feel bad where I'm like, I'm playing Xbox or whatever for like five hours. Right. I'm like, I could have been studying or like reading or doing something productive. Yeah. And I wasn't. And then my mind starts to be like, yeah, covetousness is idolatry. <laughs> and oh no. You know, and I don't like think, you know, I get there someday and God's like, well, you didn't study eight hours a day and uh, you only studied six hours a day. So you're not making it in. Sorry to make the cut. You know, I you're not working your way to heaven. I get that, right? But you know that that is on my conscience, and I that's what this whole Christian mind thing is about. It's like retraining your mind, and like if somebody, yeah, you're right. If somebody starts from like, you know, it, you're first, then God. Good luck. Yeah. People don't like authority anyway. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you get them to think like, all right, I'm good to go, and then like, wait a minute, whoa, rules? No. People don't. People don't want that. Uh. They don't want that authority, but it's, it's it, even more than authority, it's truth. Uh, so he talks about this, uh, the, the, these cars and how the technology, the technology really is a function, and it creates humans as a function, you know, and, and that's really where humans are at their worst is when they are they're brought down to simply a function. He says here, truly Christian comment upon the human situation would warn us against exploiting our world in the mere pursuit of comfort and ease, against allowing our God-given faculties to atrophy through inertia. Yep. And really, I mean, I think it comes down to, see, the human, right? Like, for example, you and I. You and I 
are t- are in the same room. We're in front of each other, right? So that's something that we have lost. I mean, everyone is kind of lost in the digital world. And it, it's very, yeah. when you're on your phone and you're on social media, right, it is just more information, right? And, and that's the thing that we, we don't, what we do is we, we convince ourselves that by, by responding to a comment from someone halfway across the world, that what we're doing is we're influencing a situation. Whereas most of the time, what we're doing is we're just creating more information because we're creating more content. Because if it depends on whether you're going to change someone's mind or not. You know, whether you're going to... Yeah. yeah. yeah right. Oh, I look at it as like... Because that's what I said I was just doing. Yeah, you know? right, I know. I, I look at it like where my heart was at. Yeah. So, like, because that's what God... That's what matters to God is where, where your heart's at. Um, but yeah, are I mean, you going to change anyone's mind on social media? No. And that's ultimately like why I end, I end up stopping and I frustrate myself. I'm like, why did, why, why did I even bother? Well, I think one of the things that like Postman, I, I guess I'm on a Postman kick today, but like, yeah. and, and <laughs> it's great. He talks about Henry, time for one. It's time for one. <laughs> he talks about Henry David Thoreau, right? You know, so Thoreau and Walden, right? Sure. Walden Woods. Yeah. Okay. So when, um, and it's great, great, what a great story, right? So when, uh, when he was, uh, and I'll probably tell it again. I tell it from time to time. Oh, so you got your favorites. It's okay. When Thoreau was, uh, it was in the woods. Everybody thinks he was, you know, off living in the woods uh, on his own. He actually didn't. He, he came back into town, and every once in a while, he'd have his mom do his laundry, and then he'd, he'd you know, uh, fuck, you know, read a newspaper and this sort of thing, get supplies. Yeah. So one day Thoreau comes out of the woods, and he he goes, he's is down in mass, and he comes out, and uh, and a guy comes up to him, and because uh, the They've just invented the uh, the telephone lines, the telegraph lines, and so what they're doing is they're uh, you know he comes and he sees people building these telegraph poles. He's like he's like what's going on? And then and then people say hey, hey you know this is an amazing thing, like we're gonna have these telegraph uh, lines, and pretty soon someone from Maine is gonna be able to communicate with someone from Texas. Like that's gonna happen. Like once we get this done, someone from Maine can communicate with someone from Texas. It's incredible, and they're just freaking out, right? Yeah. Well. Uh, Thoreau, so Thoreau, what a great, what a great line. Thoreau looks the guy in the face, and he sits there and he's perplexed, and he says, he says a great line. He looks at him and he says, "What in the world could someone from Maine possibly have to say to someone from Texas?" You know, and you know, like he just couldn't conceive it. Like, what in the world? Could, what in the world is someone from Maine gonna have to say? To someone from Texas, that like, what could they possibly have to say to him? And so the guy, the guy's like, okay. So the guy says, well, what about this? The guy says, right now, they're feverishly working to connect these tele, these telegraph lines between the United States and between uh, Europe. So if Maine to Texas doesn't make sense to you, just think of how amazing it will be when we can communicate through telegraph to 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 uh, to Europe. To 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 the England, right? Mm. And Thoreau's like, okay, like, what am I gonna do? You're you're gonna I'm gonna find out that the uh, the Duchess of York has whooping cough, you know? Yeah, I mean, I like like what what is he gonna do about it? You know, like you can feel bad about it, but you can't really do anything about it. No, you know. Whereas if he's in England and he's and he's in an opportunity to influence someone, I mean, he can at least he can at least do something about it if he's there. Yeah, if you're there physically, I mean, you could probably have more influence. Obviously, you could, you could do something tangible. 
you know, and like the local church, if we want to go back that far, where yeah. we should go back to, yeah, there's a reason it was the local church. You, you gathered with the same people, you know. Well, I got to say, I mean, it's it's really it's really something to be able to be in the with the community right. and to be with people. And I'll be honest, look around. I mean, there aren't a lot of institutions left that are like that. No, they're being torn down. Yeah, they really are. They're being torn down. And there are so many people that don't are losing the ability to communicate and to, you know, it's kind of frightening. You have people that are very sophisticated online. Mm-hmm. And they do not have an ability in a face-to-face <laughs> relationship. They're an underground man. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> Underground Man, right? And we have a uh, we have a series. You can go back and you can take a look at it. And uh, we have an entire series on notes from underground. Boy, do we. <laughs> Boy, do we. And uh, we go through each book. We go through each chapter of the book. And we have lots of content there. So you can go and check that out. And you can get that book on Amazon, I think, for 99 cents. And then you can go through it with us. And we'll help to explain it all to you. Yep. And uh, what a great uh, series that was. So we, sir, we really recommend that you check that out. Uh, but... It is like it's very frightening because now in the age of AI with you know Chat GDP, you're you will have now. Um, there's going to be so much confusion because you're going to have you're going to have now you're going to have social media accounts that are going to be managed. Okay, yeah. so you're going to have you're going to have guy A. Okay, is going to pay. Guy A is going to generate probably. Um, I would say ten people, ten people's amount of social media content. Yep, through an AI, and then guy A is going to pay guy B to be an editor to go through and separate out all the content, curate it, edit it, and post it. And then he's going to monetize it. And then guy A is going to use that money to pay guy B, and he's just going to be able to basically use AI to prolificate money and a living by pushing out content onto social media. And this content is going to be – it's AI content. It's all going to be like it's, it's this amalgamation of other people's stuff that is just basically bounced off a wall of, of the modern cultural – you know, that's exactly concerns. how it works, actually. Yeah. And I looked into this stuff because I didn't know really too much about it until you brought it up. And I'm like, all right, look, I'm curious. Let me look. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching some stuff on this. And here's the scary part. Mm. They just got to, like, you know, level three of it or something, like the third generation. And they go, we don't actually know why it works the way it works right now. Oh, I'm man. like, oh, great. So you've left, like, AI open to, like, I don't know. It, it almost sounds like open source, you know, coding. Like, like other people can just come in and just do what they want to it, or maybe the robots can now learn on their own. I don't really know. But remember, we were talking about like, I don't know how. How does like these people, like Elon Musk, like work, sleep, eat, and tweet twelve times a day? How do you do that? I, yeah, right. Well, I don't wonder anymore. <laughs> uh, right. I'm like, I think that's how because I couldn't do it. I couldn't put out like ten meaningful tweets a day. Yeah, right. You know? Right. No, I know. And I think, too, I think a lot of people do it. Yeah, P, uh, PA is personal assistance. 
I think a lot of people will look at know. Joe Biden's account. Everything is spelled correctly. Oh no, absolutely That's not him. Right? Of course not. Yeah. No, of course not. <laughs> Hello. And I think a lot of people do that. But I mean, it is really no. And it, it, actually, to speak to you, and we'll do a whole we'll do a whole show on AI at some point. We'll bring in some experts and then go through that. But there was, I mean, no, seriously, you, like you do know, right? Like the owners of the AI programs, okay, they will not allow their AI to be recorded answering question like okay so i can show you a video i can show you a video all right where i can show you a video where the guy ask the question like so basically like the guy like the guy basically asked the ai he's like our humanity is like who deserves to live more is it the ai that deserves to live more or is it the humans that deserve to live more? <laughs> right and then if the answer is the ai deserves to live more how would the AI go about eliminating the human race? Okay. Oh boy. I can show you a video where they ask this question to the AI and the company that owns the AI, they will not allow the answer to be viewed. Like they huh. they won't allow it. Like the 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 guy gets an answer, but then they won't they won't allow it. They have to they, they they have to cut it out. They say, "Well, we can't show you what the answer is because the the owners of the AI will not allow that. It will not allow that answer to be public." Yeah, I'm sure it's just copyright problems there. Oh, right, Nothing no, nefarious whatsoever. Right, no, I'd, probably because if you heard it, you would probably pull the plug on it, and uh, you would never, you wouldn't allow it. Be using burner phones at best from pretty here on out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, right? <laughs> and they don't want to have a panic. They don't want to establish a panic, you know. But I mean, it's some pretty serious stuff. But that's that's the culmination of you know not being able to find a person in Detroit when you're surrounded by a million people. That's the culmination of of yeah. technology, right? Yeah, no, that's, it is. That's where we are, and, and also too, like when you're trusting in the the technology, like the humans, you can't. A human is a human, and technology is technology, right? Like so. Um, uh, that's another thing. There's another uh, video. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh, there's another video where the guy, uh, it's one of the um, one of the developers of AI, and so effectively, what basically is, they basically admit that they don't know, right? Like they. The guy, because they had come out and they had said, he, he says, yeah, when we first came up with the AI, the intention was that we were going to have AI trucks, we were going to have AI machines at McDonald's, and we were going to have like AI was going to be in the factories, and then all the white collar jobs were going to be the last. Like we we're going to work our way up over a long period of time, right? right? Well, now they're actually saying it's the exact opposite. And there's a video of the guy, he says, he says, well, he says, we didn't really know. He says, we, 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 we thought we knew, but now that the AI is online, what we're seeing is the exact opposite. Like, They're going to take white-collar jobs? Ba basically, yeah. Those are thinking jobs. No, and I know, but then it's the creative jobs that will come last. But they, he says, he says what will happen is the white-collar jobs are going to come first. And then as far as trucks, like we're going to need people to drive trucks, right? But he's like, you know, he's like, the AI... We'll go into the offices. That don't make any sense. The trucks. There's taxis in Phoenix right now that drive themselves. Yeah. Right now. Right. Has been for a couple of years. Well, yeah, but the trucks and the supply chain trucks that will go through, they'll be across multiple states, and they'll have to do you know all these turnoffs. It's not just within the city limits. So I think that they do have the, that technology, but they're still perfecting. It's going to be, it's going to be affecting the white collar world before it affects the blue collar world. But we don't know. But my point though is that they don't know. So they can't, you can't, they, these are the people that are creating the smartest, the smartest computers that have ever been. And they can't 
use they, they they can't extrapolate and direct this technology right so what you what the human is the authentic you can't you know you can't always augment the human with technology and expect the human to just be augmented and gets better to get better right like uh, so for example in the 1950s right like everyone says well we want a 1950s housewife right well here the truth of the matter is that the 50s housewife is a bit of a trope because at the beginning of the decade, the 50s housewife was kind of a hardworking, kind of a dedicated homemaker. And so, but then we had, throughout the 50s, there was the adventation of the, the, the vacuum cleaner, the dishwasher, all these, all these home-based technologies came into play. So by the end of the decade, the wife who was working in the home, like, had nothing to do. You had the the man was out at the job and the wife was at home basically drinking wine and smoking cigarettes because she was done with her day halfway through the day because there was nothing to do because the technology gave her all that time. Because thank you, Whirlpool. Yeah, right. (laughs) And so, so, you know, these housewives had an opportunity to sit and smoke cigarettes and drink wine and, and overthink and really and raise a generation that would eventually go on to 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 um, push forth the sexual revolution and that all happened because we wanted to augment the human experience with technology and there's there's always this assumption that augmenting the human with technology will always make things better well we've definitely reached negative returns yeah i think so but where do you, that's the thing though where do you where do you stop do you stop at the telegraph you know, well, looking, I, looking back, that might have been a good place to stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the way that we conceive what we do. You know, again, I think I'll go back to Postman. I think it's, I think it's a Postman, uh, but uh, uh, we have to conceive about what we do. Okay, there's a Postman is a great story, uh, and it's a great comparison. Okay, so he talks about a situation where there's a, a frozen lake. Okay, okay. Uh, have I told you this? Have we talked about this before? No, okay. no, no. We're usually on Schlossberg or. Oh, you know, so this is no. I can't wait to get. So I said it's a good time for postman. It is a good time for postman. Oh, that's right. So uh, postman. So <laughs> postman tells a great story about a frozen lake, and so and there's a so back. It goes back to the beginning of the 19th century. Okay, right. So you go back to the 19th century, and uh, and so you have a village, and a young man says, "Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go and take my ice skates, and I'm gonna go out on that frozen lake, and I'm gonna go out into the center." And I'm, uh, he's going to do this for like a, a purpose, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous because the lake may not be frozen enough in the center and he might fall through. And if he falls through, he's in great danger. He's probably going to die. Yeah. But he wants to go out and do this anyway. So I want to go out and I want to be able to go out with my skates on the frozen lake. And so the people from the village, they all going to come out. They're going to watch him, right? So this same exact thing could happen in the 20th century, Right. This could be a person from a town could go out on a frozen lake and people could come out to watch him. So these are two of the same situation, just in two different times. Mm-hmm. So Postman talks about how in the 19th century, this person is going out in the lake as an act of courage. It is, or it is what it is. It's a community rite of passage. Okay, so the, this this person says basically, 
they want to do something dangerous for a it's dangerous and they're doing it as a rite of passage to show courage to the community he is doing it as a display of courage and a display of intuition so he's basically saying to people i've done this a couple times i am the kind of person that i full i am a i'm a young man full of courage and i am going to demonstrate to all of you that i have the intuitive I have the intuitive skill to be able to handle being in an unsure situation and I can handle myself. Okay. And so the people come and they go to watch this and they go to watch this. And when they do, they, they go right up to the ice and where the ice is safe and they stay where it's safe. And they are, they're very, um, they're very, uh, 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 these are all people from the community. So these are people's fr- his parents, his friends, these are people, uh, young ladies who may want to be interested in someone who uh, with a display of courage. Sure. So they're all there. And people, it's very real. People are prepared for this young person to die, right? Like, like if he goes through the ice and he freezes to death, then there's going to be a funeral. Like they're going to have to drag his body out of there and have to bury it. And so people are weeping and people are crying. It's all very authentic. And 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 so you know the young men are giving him advice and 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 the and, you know the men are saying, okay, let's be strong. You know, we would need to, and all this whole thing. Well, if you take this and you take the same exact situation into the 20th century. Well, then, you know, you can say, hey, uh, Steve, you know, down up by uh, the lake, you know, they're going to have a presentation. It's going to be a guy's going to go out in the middle of the lake and, and such. Right. Chances are that it's going to be chances are that it's going to be announced. It's going to be marketed, proliferated, and it's going to be they're probably going to sell tickets. The person that's doing it isn't going to be a local person. It's probably going to be someone who has uh, trained and someone who was trained in that situation. So they're going to have those skills. Okay, and so what they're doing is they're actually is they're pantomiming the authenticity, right? So in the 19th century, in that example, you have authentic people, real people doing real things. You know, the young man is the young man is seeking a rite of passage. It is a uniquely human need. You know, he's trying to signal courage to young ladies. He's trying to, it's a real need. Right. Um, you know, there is, there's real danger there because if he, can't, if he can't intuitively see where the ice is thin, he will die. And the older women will bury him, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's very authentic. Whereas in the 20th century, there's no authenticity at all, all right? Like the people <laughs> sit on bleachers. They sit far back where they're very safe. Um, you know, they may be, they may even be warm. Okay. And then the person who's on the ice has the skills necessary and they've done, they've gained those skills in an, in a, in, in a, a way. controlled environment. Thank you. Yes. In a controlled environment. Yeah. They've used, they've had things measured and what they are is they're literally pantomiming the experience that people had in the 19th century. They've made it almost boring. I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, morbidly curious or whatever, but like. Who watches NASCAR not for the crashes? There you go. <laughs> right there. Like you go. Ross Chastain pulled off the coolest move last year when he just floored it at Martinsville. Yeah. And beat everybody by like he's passing people like eighty mile an hour faster than they were going. Hey, you're right, yeah. And he made it in the championship. Like yeah. that's awesome. Good that's for awesome. You. Yeah. And guess what they did this year? Banned it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, like a week ago came out. You can't do that move. It's the same thing in What flo- do you mean? It, and the, their reason? Get this. It's dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. You drive cars at two hundred and five miles an hour. Exactly. Your sport is inherently dangerous. Exactly. If someone is willing to risk 
driving their car up against the wall and wants to, by the way, spend the money on doing that. Right. On a chance to win. Yep. Why? It's the thrill. Right. Are we getting involved? Right. Why else would people watch it? Right. Like, exactly. Like, why don't? Yeah. I mean, why don't we just? We've gone to safer barriers. Let's let's see if we can add like another ten feet of rubber to it. Yeah. And then maybe we'll put like bumpers around the cars. Sure. And pretty much it'll look like K one karting. Like, yeah. who's gonna watch that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, that's right. Seriously, man. Yeah. No, that's right. And it's the same with football as well. You know, I mean, you used to be able to, used to be able to, uh, you know, hit the quarterback. You used to be able to oh root receivers. You know, and do all these things. But the purity of the sport, you know, now, you know, they need to make money. You know, and so now where they change the rules and they don't want it to be a violent sport, but the violence is not, it's not a, it's not a feature. It's not a bug. It's a feature. Right. You know, young men look at football and they say, they, they see the modern day gladiators. They see, uh, they see what they do is they see a proxy for war, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And by the way, it, it's not even just a controlled environment in, in the middle of the football game. Yeah. If you're a star quarterback, go skiing. See how much your team owner likes that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, no, you yeah, ain't allowed to do that. No, you're not. Ben Roethlisberger was told he couldn't ride a motorcycle. Right. Right. That's yeah. right. They put it in his contract. Mm-hmm. They said you can't ride motorcycles. We're not going to have our store quarterback running around on a motorcycle. How crazy is that? Yeah, I know. That's it. You know. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's it's so it's it's the same thing, you know. And so then they're gonna what they do is and then they take and everything is and also too we talk about um, the value of the person and the value uh, of uh, technology. It's not just technology; it's medication because everything is medicated. Uh, because you know, for example, yep. you know, a young man wants to fight in order to prove himself that he can go from a boy to a man, right? Well, the, we don't want to send our boys off to get mutilated for fighting, so then we have proxies, for example, like football. But then when football because it doesn't come safe enough, and there's no outlet, or or in NASCAR, and there's no risk, and then people people can't people can't get the risk, people can't get the risk, or they can't get the they can't get the engagement that they need, yeah. then they begin to suffer. Yeah. And so then what we do is we label it toxic and then we medicate it, right? Hmm. And so again, this is moving away from the authentic person, you know? Like, you might say, oh, well, you you know, in the 19th century, people fell through the ice and died. And is that a good thing? No, it's not. It's a bad thing. <laughs> but these were authentic people that were doing authentic things for authentic reasons. And yeah. it's a little ridiculous that we do all these, like... You know, I've sat in bleachers where I've and I've clapped my hands like, "Yay! Oh, such a good job!" Yeah, and yeah. I clap my hands, right? Like, what am I doing? This, like, you know, like it's 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 all like a play. Yeah, what I just know? saw was terrible, actually. Yeah, right, you know, or something. You know, <laughs> you know like we're we're I think uh, we and I we meaning the the greater Christian community at large. Yeah, right. I think we're to blame uh, somewhat for this uh, one because. We, we don't speak up enough. But two, this goes back to Elvis Presley. It goes back, I'm sure, further than that. But I'm just yeah. going to give you an example yeah, that sure. I, I just learned about recently. Yeah. Um, so did you know Elvis was threatened to be arrested by a local judge for the way he moved his hips because it was sexually uh, yeah. suggestive? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, it was It was down in Florida. Yeah, that's right. And the right. judge threatened to have him arrested. He's like, yeah, you're not going to do any of these moves right. on stage. That's right. And Elvis Presley was a Christian at the time. Oh yeah, he's like, this has nothing to do with like he wasn't being legalistic, and I was like, as I'm reading this, I'm looking over at my wife and I'm going, "Do you see this? Do you see?" And I'm going down through it. And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "This is gonna say Baptist Church somewhere." Watch. <laughs> it did. Sure enough, I'm like, "Come yeah, yeah. on!" Like what? 
Stop with so so people stop taking us seriously. Is my point. Yeah. If we get outside of the Bible and we just start adding our own stuff to it, we we lose credibility, and then credibility and objective truth. It, it just who hey take over whoever wants at that point. Yeah. You know because people just they laugh at it, and then it leaves it open to interpretation for everybody else because we have now got away from objective truth on our side. Mm-hmm. You know. So how much can we blame the other side? Yeah, right. It, it, Blumeyer's talks here in the chapter about how we can get this notion of the good life, right? Like this notion of the good life. What is the good life? And he talks about how men's notions of what the good life is. Okay, so like that, it's what we desire. It's what we desire for ourselves mm-hmm. to basically to experience what we would term the fullness of life. And so once you've achieved the fullness of life, you don't need anything else you know mm-hmm. like you know like for example uh you know um uh if you uh you know so once you've reached that so we as a people and i don't necessarily want to say we as christians that's judging a lot a big wide group but the we as people certainly we have we we need certain things like for example someone who doesn't have a cell phone is considered to be weird but do you have to have a cell phone to live the good life? If you're a Christian, the answer is absolutely not. You don't need one. Nope. You know, you don't need one to live the good life. Well, you need the Word of God to live the good life. And so what we need to do is we need to do a better job of of following through on what we say. You know, you can't you can't put yourself into it. We, we put ourselves as a people into a position of don't look at what we say, look at what we do. Pharisees. And then yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> which is like the Pharisees, right? Yep. And so you're and so we don't do what it is that we say. Mm-hmm. You know? And so uh and in Bill Myers in the book, he talks about divorce a lot. That's his pet issue, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the church compromises on divorce. Yep. And uh and so and I think you can extrapolate that into many, many different other things. Uh and but uh this has been a big um this has been a big uh, uh, point of contention in the modern church, where you have a lot of, like, for example, um, the, uh, the the mega churches, and you have the um, the um, the the churches. They have the smoke machine, and then they have the um, they have the big presentations, and they have like you know the huge big, bands and stuff. Yeah, big band on stage, and, right. and they have the coffee shop and the bar outside, and. <laughs> <laughs> they got the no. It's true. I read. It. I oh, told I, about that, right? I know. I saw one the other day. I saw one the other day. Yeah. Like, you got a, a coffee shop in here. Yeah. No. That uh, it's a coffee. They, no, I like are, coffee. Don't get me wrong. Hey, man, I love coffee. Those are, those are everywhere. Those are like on every street corner. You can. Um. They got ones with bars now. I read. Well, I told you about that. Oh one, right? my goodness. No, they uh, have a. I two probably drink. did, and I tried to just push it out of my. No, mind. I did. There's a no. It, was a, it had a two drink maximum. They had a, they all served all sorts of micro brews, okay. and they even named the micro brews like after Bible verses and biblical and biblical. Did you imagine people. that? Oh yeah, and I was walking. Can I get a John three <laughs> sixteen? What? Right. right? Yeah. No, I know. And then they they had a, a there's a two drink maximum in the bar, so they 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 they, they it's like they 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 prance around. Every single drink should be called Jesus wept. Oh yes, <laughs> right. That's right. He ain't smiling at none of that. There, there, there you you got to be joking me right, right now. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, right. look, I don't get. Okay. I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect, but hello. Like, we can all I know. look at that and go, uh, something is not right there. Should, maybe we should draw a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just anywhere. Like, I don't know, since it says drunkards in the Bible, <laughs> you know. It is, uh, 
You're not supposed to be that. I, no, I know. What are it, we doing promoting alcohol in the church? What are we doing promoting anything? In well, the church, I don't by think many churches do it, but I think uh, there's at least one that does it. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, and I know, but we've taken, there is such a, a rush to be relevant. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of people have written books on it. Oz Guinness has written a great book on it uh, that we, can, we might do in the future. But uh, as far as the church's desire to be relevant. And so, um, and that has had a big impact in our current day because you lose the connection with the people, the actual people. Yeah, the community. Yeah, the community. I mean, we've broken down families. I mean, the nuclear family. You know, mom, dad, kids. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's been torn apart. So for an institution of like the church to be torn apart, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I, I don't. I don't think, especially like a mega church. Can you imagine? Yeah. Does that really feel like a family? You, know, you get twenty five hundred people sitting there. Yeah, no, I've I've been the biggest church I was in had uh, seven hundred people in one service, and that was just overwhelming. I've never been a part of anything like that. That probably felt like the Cheers bar, right? Everyone knows your name. Yeah, no, actually, right. There was a <laughs> uh, the the main service was seven hundred people, and then after the service, they broke it down into different groups, and it was okay. That's good. Everyone's between group. No, because the different groups were like sixty to eighty people in each group. And they were super clicky. Like you couldn't, like they, they couldn't, like you show up and there's like six, 60, 70 people in the room and everyone's talking to each other and you can't, you know, no one, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I remember I, I went there once and I, cause afterwards no one talked to us the whole time. And then afterwards I went to the, the guy who was leading the, the, the guy who was leading the small group. And I said, this is a disaster, man. I said, you know, I said, you know, I came here to meet people, and no one even talked to me the whole time I was here. And the guy's like, yeah, you know what, uh, why don't you come back next week, and I'll see if I can drum something up for you. And I was like, okay, buddy. Like, uh, all right. Like, uh, I'm, wait. Like, yeah, that's like, authentic. No, yeah, like, I like okay. Like, I, I get it. You know, why don't you just, you know. Hey, go be friends with those people. No one's talking to them. Yeah, right. I'll you fake know, it like, for an hour. Yeah, no doubt. You know, like, hey, buddy, can you know, see those people over there? Do you think you could, uh, you know, go on? I don't really know that guy, you know, walking over here. Go know? pretend you like him real quick. Yeah, exactly. You know, can you go and ask him a few questions or whatever? You know, like, what in the oh, world? Yeah, anyways, I left and we never went back there but uh it was just a disaster you know i mean some some people and i've seen this in leadership and churches you'll bring that up to them and this this even the smaller churches though and they'll say oh well that's just people that's just no 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 that that might be people who have a lack of care for their fellow human or who are just blatantly in violation of biblical principles or yeah. don't love their brothers and sisters in christ like we should that's not just people. Just people is like, well, you know, you have an off day every once in a while or, yeah. or something like that. It's not a habitual thing. It's not. Mm. I don't, it, that's, repentance is turning away from sin. Sin is things that God does not approve of, things that are spoken against in the Bible. Mm. So if you're turning away from that, then it's not something you live in. That is very clear in Hebrews ten twenty six, mm. that's sinning willfully. Mm. You know, and this this chapter talks about being a a slave to um, you know machinery and yeah. and other man's uh, you know the contraptions of, of their mind and whatnot. And we're all guilty of that to to a certain extent. Every single one of us, Christian or not, uh, we are. Um, that's the things that we got to be on guard for because, again, the Bible tells us covetousness is idolatry. Yeah, no, and that's correct. It's, it's, you know, and it's just Christians really need to be 
the Christians need to be at the forefront of of this, and they need to be in the forefront of a battle against these things. It, it, from the chapter, right? Right. Yeah. He he asks that. He's like, yeah, where he says, where is anybody speaking out on this? Right. The diverse influences which feed the delusive passion of this new materialism ought to be everywhere under fire from articulate Christians <laughs> nourished on a Christian mind. Right. right. That the majority of men and women are not so intelligent as their exploiters is one of the keys to modern corruption. Yeah, he said, can can it be all the exploiters are friends with the cathedral? Yeah, right, right, yeah, that's that right. That was the end of a, of, of another great sentence. It was almost like that. You can almost <laughs> picture him yelling this stuff as he was writing it. Right, right, says, no, I know. where are the priests and prelates pointing the finger of condemnation at the men, right? Yeah, you right. Know, that, yeah. that dare not come up against the system, sort of. Yeah. You know? But, you know, it's really true, though. I mean, when, when people are exploited, like, you have whole mass of people that are not as intelligent as those that are exploiting them. And so you don't have to be, you don't have to go to Harvard to be able to call this out. All you have to do is be able to have a Christian mind and be able to to, 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 to bring people before the God of the universe to face the truth. And that's why Hebrews 10.25 exists. <laughs> wow, it's kind of like they go together, right? right amen. Yeah, like right. we're supposed to you know, exhort one another daily. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he says here, nowadays the exploiters are the inheritors of intelligence and the exploited, they're less mentally gifted victims. And so I love Blue Myers. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't pull punches. You no. know, the great Christians never do. The great Christian writers never pull punches. He's got a way with words, almost like he's an author or something. Yeah, almost, right? <laughs> the exploiters are the inheritors of intelligence and the exploited, they're less mentally gifted victims. Oof. Absolutely. Yep. And you know what? If if people were to actually like read that sentence, just mull it over for a second and understand, yeah, right? That is not something that's acceptable in today's society, right? Like that is spoken against. Like that, that well, horrible what's spoken, value system. What's spoken, spoken against. against? Not necessarily. What's spoken against is, for example, poverty, right? People will say, uh, like in in third world nations, okay, people will say, oh, uh, it's very bad that uh, you know people in India live in squalor, you know, or that uh, we need to raise the, uh, we need to give more money uh, to, um, uh, for example, um, people will say. Uh, uh, the more money someone has, the more the the healthier food that they eat. So yeah. therefore, we need to take food stamps. We need to triple the budget, right? So people always do that here. But the truth, so people always they always uh, look at the poor and they look at the afflicted. Mm-hmm. And so, but really, where a lot of it is in the middle classes and in the lower middle classes, where you get a lot of the exploitation that is going on, right? Where, you know, people, for example, like Walmart exists to sell people stuff that they don't really need. No kidding. You know, right? No like, kidding. Yeah, you know, like, you know, you, your house is full of stuff that you don't need. They've turned the use. entire store into the checkout line. Right? right, pretty much, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> like you don't even need to buy stuff, you know? So, like, I mean, like, there's so much stuff to buy there. And so uh, you that's really where a lot of the, the worst exploitation goes on because those people are only doing that. They're exploiting to get rich. And the other people think that in order to be worthy, they don't need to have an authentic human relationship with someone else. They don't need to love their neighbor. They don't need to bring their friends or their neighbors to Christ. They need to try to gather more to become the same the same financial and influential level as the exploiter who just exploited them. Yep. And so even though they don't intend to be an exploiter, they direct their energies and thought processes towards becoming 
the thing that is literally exploiting them in real time. Because people see that as the only way to achieve the American dream, whatever the heck that is. Whatever that is, right, right. The American <laughs> yeah. dream, right. You know, it's so funny because, um, you know, back in the, the housing boom, it, you're, you're going to watch this, right? Whenever there's a housing boom and people want you to buy a house, the American dream is always the ability to purchase a home, right? Yeah. And actually, that's like phony baloney. The American dream was never about purchasing homes, right? It was always about immigrants who were able to come here from a a place where they had nothing and work hard, and through hard work and dedication, they were able to accomplish something. Sir, you quit just toning down our good catchphrase, okay? (laughs) The American dream is alive and well. Right. (laughs) That's right. Quit quit with all your truth nonsense over there. There we go, right? There we go. There you go. Oh, man. We don't. He says we don't lament uh, the increasing dependence upon mechanical things. You know, like it. We don't. Why don't we lament that? Because the other things are more entertaining to us. The other things are more flashy. Yeah, I mean everything's more flashy, and 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 also too in the home life. Remember, he talks about the good life. Like if we, if we're going to think of a good home, right? Do we think of a small home? With a family that spends time together, and I mean, I do because my other. electricity bill and heating bill suck. Oh, right. Well, there you go. Right. <laughs> or do but, we think of a home that has things and stuff? Right. 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 So, in order to be able to fix the problem, we need to be able to, you know, I think he points to giving up our that notion of the good life. But he also talks about another aspect that he talks about that I was really um, intrigued by was he talks about the uh, the back to nature movement and about nature. Right. That just because we reject technology, that doesn't mean that we're saying that, well, the ideal condition of man is a condition of without technology where man returns to nature. Right. No. If you're trying to fix your life, don't go on a hike and admire, admire the trees. Right. Like that's not what you need to do. Like go to the church and read the Bible and get the gospel and get saved. Like that's what you need to do. Right. It's the it's the truth of revelation that is going to fix your life. It's not going on a hike and looking at the trees or it's not raising a garden, you know. It's it you know discipling is going to fix your life. But our presuppositions that we get from culture don't tell us that. Exactly. And so we'll say, you know, so for example, like someone who says uh someone for example, someone who would say, you know, you want to spend uh, an afternoon in the garden, you know, tending the plants, and that will help you to feel a lot better, right? Yeah. We ought to we ought to react to this with the same disdain that we would say to someone who would say, "Well, you know, you ought to just go under a non-account and go troll a bunch of uh, g- a bunch of uh, uh, good-natured housewives and you know and make them cry, and that'll make them feel better," you know. So you know, it's it's so you you it's not necessarily that one is evil and one is good or they're both evil. It's just that. Those are not, you know, going into a garden and helping in the garden is going to make you feel better in a limited sense. It's going to, it, 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 it is, it's not the cause of happiness. It's, it's just, it's in a limited sense. You need to get to the root cause. You need to get to the cause. And you need to be able, if you, once you get the Lord, you get Christ, then you're going to be able to be able to fix your life. Yeah. You know, and so it's not just nature and it's not just technology but it's the gospel. But, but again, it's just not something that's pushed, you know. Um, as much as we're we're pushing uh, individualism, where you know you can be what you want to be and and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, he does bring up a good point that with this whole globalism thing, 
when he he started talking about the schools. You remember when he talked about that? Like the headmaster have more power. He said county schools would be run from the authority central office rather than a Oh yeah, I do you remember know, that. Yeah, it would be it'd be run like a ring of chain stores, he said. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And what he's yeah. talking about and it is it is actually interesting because he's writing from a British perspective. And so in America, the school system is the only institution that we have left in America that we can actually uh is control at a local level. I mean, you can go to a school board meeting here in town and they won't tell you anything and they'll throw you out just for looking at them wrong. But you can at least go there and try, right? There's yeah, you're, you're allowed to sit there. Right. So you can at least go and sit there, but, it, you know, you can't really say much. But if you're, you're – if you – you can go to any other institution, any other institution. It doesn't matter what it is. And you, you can't have that. There's no say. I can't go to the bank. And then say, well, you know, I go to the bank and then I'm going to say, well, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to talk to someone about the way that uh, the people in this region are being treated because, you know, I got a lot of concerns about. I think uh, your interest rates are terrible. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> the interest rates that you're showing the people of this state are really poor. And I'd like to tell you why. And I'd like to have a conversation with that. Like, it's ridiculous. The whole yeah. thought of it. So, like, crazy. Yeah. So, but the in, in America, we actually do. But think about it, if, like, in the English perspective or maybe a perspective where the schools are controlled centrally. Right. Then that is very it's very mechanical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're not getting the in. So like so we're both homeschoolers. Right. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. Right. That reason. So, yeah. Right, <laughs> I, see that reason. I can see the writing on the wall. Yeah, no doubt. So like, I mean, I won't speak for you, but at least, uh, you know, in our situation, I mean, I can't tell you how many curriculums my wife has gone through. I mean, and she's ruthless. I mean, mm-hmm. she's ruthless, man. My, I'm telling you, my wallet fills it, too. Well, know? it hasn't been a lot. So <laughs> hey. I've been homeschooling for two years and I've only been oh, through yeah. two. Yeah, you've been through it. Well, yeah, <laughs> so, I tell you. I mean, she uh, when yeah. she when she started, she would go through a curriculum, yep. and she'd say, "Well, this is a great curriculum." And then, as soon as the kid would struggle, and she would realize that it wasn't going to work for the kid, gone, right? Like gone. And so, you know, like at the time, I mean, I didn't really realize it at the time, you know, but I was working like a slave, you know, trying to fund keep the funding up, man, because she was going through all these curriculums because she was just ruthless. She was going to find the curriculum that was going to work for our children and that was going to benefit our children. And she wasn't going to accept anything less. And so um, and, and, you know, looking back on it, it's all pretty wonderful. But, you know, that's in a school system. You don't have that in a no. school system where you go to school where. No Every, child left behind. Yeah, right. Everybody is working with the same pre-can curriculum, and if you don't get it, there's no time. No one's stopping. They're just moving on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and they create a cookie-cutter society yep. where, you know, people are taught. People are taught, like, for example, um, in a public school, it's very mechanical. People learn you have to show up on time. You have to be able to sit still. You have to be able to, you know, you have to be able to, to talk to the right people at the right time in the right way. And right. And so, so much of it is the process and the process is function and the function is mechanical. It's dehumanizing. Exactly. It's dehumanizing. For sure. And it has very little to do with the human condition or with education. Right yeah. or you know even more. Oh philosophy. no! It is it is check the box. Yeah. Because the the system is so big, that you know your your superintendent is a CEO. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what right. that person is. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You know the teachers are more concerned with career advancement than they are with the 
the children they're working with. Or security. I mean, with the unions, right? I mean, they want the security of of the institution. They, they want to be an institution. Now, I personally feel that teachers should be an institution. But the teachers, they're probably you know, smarter. They probably saw it coming, right? They, and they, they wanted to institutionalize their, their place in society. Yeah. 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 We and, see teacher strikes all the time. Mm, mm. All the time. Interesting. Yep. No, interesting. Interesting. So it's just, it, we hear a great part from the chapter. He says, uh, he says, these mechanisms are rightly so-called in that they claim us not as living persons, but as creatures of function. In relation to the production machine, I am significant only as a unit of labor. Yep. In relation to the political machine... I am significant only as a person as a personified vote, right? Only as a personified vote. You know, it's funny because we're here in New Hampshire. You wait until we get the first in the nation primary, right? It's wild. You do that. Like, if you ever try to make a moral point to a political candidate, it is the most awkward, embarrassing thing you can do, all right? Because, the, like, as a Christian, I can stand up and I can ask a candidate a question. And I have the power, I have the wisdom of 2,000 years of history, or even more, 5,000 years of history, okay, of, of 5,000 years of God acting on the earth, pushing me forward, right? And that person, all right, that candidate, right, when they look at me, you know what they see? One vote. Yep. One vote. That's yep. all they see, one vote. You know, and that's why, and and it percolates through the whole system. I mean, look at AOC, right? When you look at AOC, you should see one congresswoman. Mm-hmm. That's it. One congresswoman out of many. That's mm-hmm. all you should see. And yet you don't, because she hems and she haws and she jumps up and down and she does the hokey pokey and she puts the <laughs> right one out and she puts the left one over there. She's definitely the squeaky wheel. Yeah, and then she shakes it all about and then does the hokey pokey and figures out what it's all about. So. And then she, anyways, and so she becomes a cultural influencer because, you know, because she works within the political machine. Yeah, because she sticks to the narrative. Yeah, exactly. And so, whereas, so there, and because she knows that if she, she knows that if she does her function, right, she knows that if she, she knows that if she approaches things, she knows that she's a function, okay? So she knows that it, what she, what, when she views herself as a function, she sees the limitation because she's only one congresswoman. So therefore, she has to create. She has to create the narrative, and we got all the theatrics, and she uses that to kind of brand herself and all that. Mm-hmm. So, but that relates back to this point here. In relation to the mechanisms of distribution of my functions, I'm just to devour food. Okay, right. So my function, right. So my actual function, I'm just to devour food, and to burn coal to wear clothes, right? So in relation to the various administrative mechanisms mm. that he functions, he is a householder, okay? He's a, a payer of interest rates, okay? He's the driver of a car. He's the earner of an income, all right? He's the owner of uh, 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 the owner of a, uh, he says, a, a hose pipe with one nozzle. I'm not really sure. Oh, <laughs> okay, that must be a British thing. I'm not really sure what that is. But, <laughs> but, they, uh, but he talks about how, you know, these people who function, right? These yeah. are people, and every single day, they function as, uh, I'm going to go through it here real quick. They function as workers, yep. voters, uh, eaters, um, 
uh, natural resource consumers, uh, uh, clothing consumers. Um, uh, you know, they uh, they uh, they pay money to a bank. They pay interest rates. They own houses. They drive cars. And he says that these people have no time and no energy for the business of merely being human. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. No. And to to go to your point about candidates. To yeah. skip just one page of hit. Page of hit. <laughs> sure, there you go. It's, it's right, you, right there. You probably have the same thing highlighted. As I, I probably do. do. Men of personal conviction with vision and purpose are often considered too dangerous to be appointed to headships. Some appointing authorities seek safe, mediocre men who will sit meekly at the far end of the telephone wire and do what they are told. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's There you go. There you go. That's Hit, hit it right on the head. That's society today. There you go. But he wrote it in the '60s. In the '60s, yeah, yeah. I, that's exactly you, you. Those are called yes men. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes men. And that's who gets hired. Right. Not that's right. Not people that have any sort of creative thinking. Right. Because they might get outside of the narrative. Right. Yeah. Nope, that's. We right. don't that's want right. humans. We want these people, the powers that yep. be. You know. Right. Try not to get like political when we talk about the book, and try to stay organic to the book, but. It's so relatable to it, it is relatable, yeah. The, the things that are being because this is all being driven politically. That's what controls the world we live in. Well, a lot of it too. It's you think about it. It's very interesting because the people that are resilient and the people that uh, uh, will come up with their own and people that will, will push back against the narrative. These are your entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, you see like how the the IRS wants to audit people for you know smaller amounts of money. And so this is the reason why, because they want to identify and be able to 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 um, to to extend their influence to more smaller entrepreneurs who are now making money and able to operate autonomously based on their social media. Yep. Right. So, but anyhow, my point is, is that the people who are not these are people that do not have a Christian mind. They're not Christian believers, and they are part of the crowd. And so they are looking to they are looking to function within the machinery. And they want to have that that individualized, atomized function, and so these are the like, for example, these are the people like your your NYU your your grad your you know your your NYU graduates and you know your woke people West Pointers and, yeah West Pointers Just saying right yeah yeah you know <laughs> I had them well, as a commander these these people they will all make their way okay these are people that they're not necessarily looking to push back against the narrative and work with objectives these are the people that find their ways into the corporations. Mm-hmm. And so this is the reason why, for example, the institutions have all gone woke and are now crumbling. The reason why corporations are now all woke. They're actually all staffed by these people, okay? Like all the people who all the people who are busy trying to find an objective and being human are either checked out, they're entrepreneurs, they are working on new business models. Uh, you know, and or are they are working to are uh, uh, they're working on new business models, okay? Or they're they're working within families, they're working within smaller units, yeah. right? That compete against bigger units. But the people that conform, the people that are that have learned to conform through the function of their lives and how they function as machines, yep. they seek the larger machine. So they don't want to start a business. They don't want to work with with. They don't someone. see it as working that way. Yeah, it's they don't even. They want to be in the corporation. They don't have a concept of that being successful. Very that other that other model. Very interesting. You know, uh, Myers, I as much as this chapter talks about like all the things that the world is doing, I th- it's this is written towards Christians. 
because he's yeah. saying, right. we're not calling this out. He's yeah, like, all correct. of this is happening, but the main point is no one's saying anything. And But the thing is, like, is are people just not saying anything because it's in vain or because they're trying to stay within that system? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it is, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I, I've gone back. I love this. I go back to Aaron Wren and his his um, his classification of positive, uh, positive, neutral, and negative world. A lot of this hasn't really become an issue since we've become into the negative world, and the negative world is the negative world is, is really something. It's more 2011, 2014, you know, and, and so before that, we're kind of in a neutral world, where in a neutral world. People are able to avoid confrontation. Yeah. You better pick a side now. Though. Right, yeah. No, now. <laughs> and so a lot of Christianity is, is predominantly female. And, uh, and during, the, uh, during the neutral period, Christianity really lost a lot of its institutional power. So people, and, and women who, they don't necessarily like confrontation uh, just a, a gen- as a gender group. So they have a lot of people... And then the men who wanted to, to to push back, they didn't necessarily have the institutional power to be able to push back against other institutions. So therefore, it wasn't that they acquiesced. It was just that they stepped back and took a neutral stance and said, okay, well, we're not going to push back, but we're not going to we're not going to encourage it either. We're going to we're going to try to educate ourselves, the, the educate the our, me, our, our educate the ourselves and the next generation as best we can yeah. and kick the can down the road right but now we've gone from neutral to negative so yep. now p- things are pretty much openly hostile against christians as you saw at the grammys last night oh my so, goodness <laughs> yeah right so we have a there's a lot of open hostility now and so now people don't want to go out and call it out they want they, they, to go out and to call it out and say hey you know they they, they they call it out if they're going to do that they might call it out with another christian but they don't want to call it out in a negative world where they're going to just get nothing but pushback. I mean, you know, if you're, you know, if you're, um, you know, I don't, I don't have, I mean, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a, this expectation that we're going to name, you know, we're, we're going to name Christ in our episode, in, in our podcast. And we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, you know, put forth the gospel as a solution to people's problems. And that we're all of a sudden just going to be the most popular things in sliced Start bread. this revolution. Yeah, you know, the, right. you know people are going to jump on this train, right? I right. hope so. I mean, that revival is what we pray for. but It'd be cool. Yeah, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, we're in a negative world. You know, people people don't want to seek out that confrontation. You know, no. there's not a lot of people looking around to you know looking around to be Jeremiah. You know, no. And he, Bill Myers, also says though that we've started even the church, not just the schools, but we've started running the church yeah. like a corporation. We've we right how we've appointed people, right? Like how we're appointing clergy. He he mentions that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he says that we're doing it based off their administrative experience and ability. Yeah, that's right. And almost like, well, what are your, what's your pedigree? Yeah. You know, well, I, what college did Peter go to? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, right. was was Paul at NYU or Harvard or something? Yeah, yeah. Come no. on. I know. Really? Yeah, it's true. And it's, no, it's really true. Uh, I think Piper has a book uh, called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And uh, yeah. <laughs> perfect. Right, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I can lend it to you. Maybe we'll go through it in time. But the uh, he's got a book, and that's the, it's a title of a, title of a chapter. Each chapter 
each one of the chapters is a uh, is basically um, a call for uh, uh, to the church to calls out the church for basically you know becoming becoming more like a business you know like good you know like like oh you know churches are starting to do these things like like no like you you got to be able to you know, you have to act like a church, not a business. You know, you're not trying to, churches aren't trying to make the most money. You know, like if you make the most money, then I guess you can create more churches and you can do more ministry. But that's not the purpose of the church. If you're, yeah, I you mean, know? if if it works that way, right. great. Right, well, great. But, but if you're preaching in a mud hut, yeah, it doesn't matter. Right, right. Right. Like you want to assimilate with Christ? All right, right. well. Be poor and have a friend named Judas. Right, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And like, you know, and like if you're going to, you need someone to run the books, you can pray to God that someone in the congregation will be able to step up and use their talent, you know? It, like, it will happen. You know how You know how I know? God said. Yeah, right. It, God said it would. It will work. Everything will work to our good. Yep. Why? Yep. You have, remember the two conditions. Right. Those that love him and who are the called according to his purpose. Yeah. So- he said it would. Faith. We are supposed to operate on faith. We don't. We operate on, all right, well, you got a four-year degree? All right, well, you're looking like a pretty good candidate for pastor then. Right. What, what in the world? Right. When did that start? Yeah. What, even so, we're as much to blame, you know, as a Christian community. Yeah. Because we just don't call it out amongst ourselves. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's where we're at. I mean, right now we need to call it out amongst ourselves, but that's not the ending point. That's just the beginning point. You're right. You know, we've got to get beyond that and, and start calling it out. Yeah, because we can we sit here and call it out all day. Right. You don't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, where's the rubber is not meeting the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> you're spinning your wheels with the, the car lifted in the air. You know, you're not doing anything. Right, right. That's true. So it takes a group of people that care more about Christ than they do about the the comfort of all the buddies they got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, but then again, yeah, and that's a lot in this chapter, right? And the chapter speaks a lot to that. Yep. I got this part at the end I want to read. This is a really great part here. I want to get your thoughts on it. Okay. The antithesis between an institution and a mechanism is an important one. Right, so we're comparing an institution to a mechanism. Mm -hmm. An institution is a fellowship of persons united by community of purpose. So a financial institution is trying to make money, right? Okay. A uh, a um, governmental institution is trying to run a city, mm -hmm. uh, or a um, a church institution is trying to save people's souls. A mechanism is an assembly of parts linked by interrelatedness of function. Purpose belongs to persons, functions to things. Uh, in that case, um, maybe I'm just not thinking of this the right way, but right off the top of my head, I'm thinking that the church needs to be more uh, mechanical because it's not changing. It doesn't. We sh we don't leave things open to change. Uh, the gospel does not change, and Christianity is very personal. Um. Yeah, I I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be mechanical. I know like people say that the church is an institution, but that leaves things open to you know reformation and change. Yeah. Well, I mean, he talks a little bit later. He says function is the activity of the object, and purpose is the activity of the subject. Now you can say that we're just mincing words here, but for example, like I can say, what is the purpose of this machine? Right. Well, hey, machines don't have a purpose. They have a function. 
only humans can have a purpose. And the purpose has got to be for something beyond the individual themselves, right? Like, so for example, the purpose of a, so you can't have a hospital without medical equipment. Medical equipment doesn't have a purpose. It has a function, all right? The function might be to, you know, jumpstart the heart or whether it might be to close up a wound or whatever. Yeah. And so those machines in the hospital have a function. But the people who make up that institution, they have a purpose. And the purpose is to heal the sick. And so why would you want to heal the sick? Because human beings have an inherent value to God. Right. 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 So you're always connecting the purpose all the way back to God. Right. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, if you're going to, um, so, you know, if you're not going to do something as to the Lord, then what are you doing it for? Right. Yeah. So, but when we let go of God, then all of a sudden we start assigning purposes to things. We'll say like the, the purpose of a, uh, the purpose of a phone is, if we say the purpose of a phone is to call, is to communicate, well then pretty soon we're only communicating electronically. We're not, you know, we're not, the, the communication is between people. It's not between, it's not between phones. Phones just a function. You know, I knew I didn't think this deep enough. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know, because I was like, I, wa- I just want to pick both, but no, I, I couldn't. I, I want to be an institution that functions the same way all the time. Right. Well, so, uh, <laughs> he said, Blameyer says here, purpose is the expression of the living personal will. And so by separating out these two words, okay, by using the words interchangeably, all right, this is where you get a lot of confusion. You know, you knock on the door and then you say, you know, you're going to talk to someone about God. And they say, they say, well, what are you here to talk to me about all this God oh, stuff? Okay. Right. You know, right. This is a person who has no idea that they, they, they have no con- concept of function versus purpose. Like to them, it's all the same thing and yep. everything's just all jumbled together. Okay. And they're like, well, uh, here it is with all this God stuff. Right. Yeah. But someone who understands function versus purpose you could say, what is the purpose of a human life? Right? right? That, hey, that person's going to stop and they're going to start thinking. Yeah. And it's a good question and a serious question and one that they're going to take seriously because purpose is the expression of a living personal will. And living personal wills are important because God is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, we as Christians serve God or can serve God by simply by establishing a clear line of distinction between purpose, excuse me, between function and purpose, hmm. right? Now, yeah, now, 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 now that I'm not, maybe that's not necessarily Billy Graham, you know, bringing thousands of people to Christ in one day. Okay? No, this is, but, this is deeper. Right, yeah. yeah. But these are the things that need to happen, okay? If Christians don't come out and do this, who's going to? All right, and... If all right, if if we don't come out and do it, then who's going to? And we we can't just expect to say, well, establishing function from purpose is too difficult for me, so I'm just going to skip that and go straight to the part about you know about and go straight to the part at the end where you know where you know the good guy wins and I get the girl, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I, I think that we are well past that stage, and Christians are going to have to get dirty. And getting dirty means that you're going to have to learn the difference between a function and a purpose, and you're going to have to you're going to have to get dirty in terms of putting it in people's faces. Yep. Because if you don't have that presupposition amongst with a thousand others, 
you're not going to get very far in trying to bring people back from the abyss of uh, of a never-ending cliff. You are not wrong. If you don't if you don't believe the Bible when it says that you're going to suffer persecution, you know, yeah, for, right. for being a believer, right? Guess what? Ooh. <laughs> Go out and try it. Right. <laughs> Man. <laughs> give, it, give it a whirl. Right. Just, next time you're at a restaurant, just there you go. Whatever. Right. Talk to somebody. There Try you to go. handle a Bible tract. There you it's go. It's not illegal yet, so do it while you can. Right. Well, do it while you can. <laughs> the, um, so, yeah, no, it's really true. And so that's really where we're going to have to be at. And, uh, and so that's what we're trying to bring forth here uh, on our podcast. And so you can join us. Uh, we have three different podcasts. We have uh, the Bunderground Railroad, and we also have the Digital Bunderground, uh, which is music, friends, fun, and fandom. So we uh, we like to uh, kick around. We do reaction videos, and we do a lot of other fun things and interviews with some of our friends and our family. So uh, we'll do some fun things there. We also have... Notes from Blunderground, which is Tom and Steve diving into the world of Twitter with the underground men of our society and seeing what is on the grimy, dusty underbelly of our culture through at Blunder Tom and at Blunder Steve. All right, well, we thank you for listening. Uh, This was a uh, robust conversation, a pretty great time. Make sure to check out the book, Harry Bill Myers, The Christian Mind, How a Christian Should Think. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 